The blockchain world is moving super lightning fast. Companies like Amazon, IBM, and Oracle are all introducing enterprise-grade blockchain solutions. But how enterprise-ready is blockchain technology actually? And how will new blockchain tech change the face of the big names and players? Today, we've got a doubleheader for you. First, we'll introduce you to Anton Mozgovoy of Jtherium to discuss the future of enterprise blockchain. Then we'll bring you Tommy McKinnon and Mark Laporte of Helios Protocol. They claim to have built a DAP platform that has sub-second transaction latency and 10,000 times lower fees than their competition. Impressive, right? But don't worry, we're not going to go over your heads. If we can understand it, you can understand it. So we're excited to share these stories with you as we bring you episode number 368 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Greetings to the Bad Crypto Podcast, where we talk under your head, because talking over your head would just be wrong. And that's true. And you said that if we can understand it, you can understand it. But sometimes we can't understand it. If we can't understand it, maybe you're more likely to understand it. Perhaps that is what I should have said. Well, maybe I understand it and you don't understand it. Maybe I don't. I don't understand so much. The older I get, the more I realize, the less I know. Get off my damn lawn. If I had a lawn in my high-rise, get off my damn high-rise. <laughs> oh, we got two great interviews for you today. And, of course, with Anton's last name being Mazgavoy, gives us a chance to use Russian accents just a little bit. But first, we tell you about show sponsor, but without Russian accent. Tax season is upon us, gang. Uh-huh. Here it is again. And CryptoTaxAudit.com is an annual subscription service that provides audit defense for taxpayers. It's designed with your needs in mind. Listen, if you get an IRS letter about how you reported your crypto transactions, you you're going to need a crypto tax law expert and you're going to need that person fast. So you can get a subscription, consider it like an insurance policy that can protect you from the huge expense of defending yourself. It's the only tax audit defense service designed for crypto owners. Go to CryptoTaxAudit.com to start defending yourself today. Hey, before we get into the feature real quick, let's talk about Upland. And Upland.me is a new app. We had them on the show. Really interesting thing. It sort of reminds me of Monopoly. And it's a location-based property trading game. And it's paired with this decentralized economy. And you can play uh, the, the game basically by going to different areas in San Francisco currently, buying a property, and then you own that property on the blockchain. There's collections you can create there and collect. And there's treasure hunts that are, that are going to be going on and some other really cool stuff. Soon you're going to be able to go to other cities and you can even unlock other cities and be the first person even in a city. There's some really cool stuff going on. So go check it out. And you can go to uh, to badco.in forward slash Upland. And what can happen is, is normally when you sign up, they give you 3,000 Upix tokens for free. But instead, if you go through this, badco.in forward slash Upland uh, on a mobile device, then they'll actually double the amount of tokens they give you. So pretty handy. That's so generous. Very friendly. Very friendly. Miles B. Chain, the llama, will welcome you to Upland. Okay, got some great content coming your way, guys, right now. Here is part one with Anton Mazgavoy. 
Every now and then we'll have a listener of the show reach out to us and say, I want to be on the show. I can talk about this and that and the other. And sometimes we actually let them on. You know, some of you guys are really bad and some of you are just normal bad. And today we've got a really bad guest who really knows what he's talking about. His name is Anton Mazgavoy. And he is the um, head of product at Jtherium. He's scaling their project. This is a project that provides blockchain enterprise solutions. He's actually got a stellar background in the sector. And we're going to talk about enterprise blockchain today, find out what it is, why you need to be aware of it. And we're going to learn some stuff and things from one of our listeners in the space. So, Anton, welcome to Bad Crypto. Uh, like listening to the show, only you get to be on it. Um, absolutely. Uh, thanks. Thanks very much, Joel and Travis. It's my pleasure, you know, to be here today. Um, and yeah, let's talk about enterprise blockchain or what it actually is. How, how super exciting! Maybe you could fill in the gaps a little bit of, on your history, just some of the the bullet points, so we can establish that you do indeed know what you're talking about. Absolutely. Um, so I've been in blockchain space uh, since. Since early um, 2014, um, it all started with uh, one of the previous companies that I was working with uh, was uh, BMO. Um, it's a Canadian bank, and those um, one of the uh, one of the projects with the National Bank of Canada was a pilot project when they wanted to see what Ethereum um, is and you know what that tool is all about. So that's how I got into blockchain. Um, shortly after, I was still doing, you know, site uh, gigs, you know, playing a lot with uh, Ethereum smart contracts, and um, I was uh, then a co-founding uh, member of the company called Humanique, um, so Human IQ, um, and that one was very focused on um, social impact. Again, it was very focused on Ethereum. Um, so we did a lot of things on um, layer two scaling solutions. That's one of the you know, technical things there. But ultimately, what Humanique is all about is um, it, it's a financial marketplace for emerging markets. Um, think about it as an old bank, alternative banking system in the places where there are no banks or there's no good access to um, banking system. Um, and that's that's how the project started, and you know it's it's currently growing. Um, I've um, I've after that, I've been, you know, here and there um, helping uh, many younger projects um, starting, you know, their path in blockchain space. Um, but the latest company that uh, I'm involved with and scaling, um, and it sounds, you know, very exciting, is Ethereum, which is completely the opposite of the social impact space. Uh, it's, it's more on the other side, which is enterprise space. Um, and what happens is, uh, you know, I just saw an, a massive, massive opportunity and uh, probably year 2019 showed that, you know, there's a big lack. It's like, a you know, it's just a black hole of, uh, you know, of blockchain projects out there. And it seems like nobody's really understanding um, why enterprises um, are interested in blockchain. But what's more important is what do they actually do with blockchain? Why not Ethereum? I mean, you skipped F G H N I went right to Jtherium. Man, you're oh, gonna take my joke. You, are you gonna let me right. talk this episode or no? This is the Joel. This is the Joel Ethereum. I just think that's why it's Jtherium. It's the Joel episode. Yeah, I guess I'll let you. I'll let you keep going, Joel. Ask I, lo I love stealing your jokes, Travis. That's great. Um, yeah. So I have nothing to say. I have, no <laughs> I have nothing to add to the show. That was my one thing I was gonna say. Um, so that's that's a great question, actually. Um, so Jtherium is, uh, you know, it's 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 very easy. J in Jtherium sound, you know, stands for Java, 
Um, so G Ethereum allows uh, pretty much you to write Solidity smart contracts. So on Ethereum blockchain, uh, but using Java. And that's that's where that G, um, you know. See there, Travis, from. not only was it stealing the joke, but it was also a great question. The duofecta of questions. That's good. I think you just like to talk. Like, let Travis talk sometimes. All right, Travis. <laughs> ask a really great question, Travis. No, that's great. So, so why did why was J Ethereum needed, and what what does the fact that you were executing smart contracts on Ethereum with Java why why is that important, and and how did you come how did you come to that conclusion to build that? So, um, let's start with uh, how do you actually you know program on blockchain, and you know why people do that. Um, so, Ethereum right now is uh, still the number one blockchain which supports full programmability. Um, so what it means is that you know it has the the most developer support. It has the largest number of actual development projects up and running, and uh, as well as in development by far. So then we you know we believe that Ethereum um, as a, as an ecosystem it has already surpassed the required critical mass to make it natural choice for you know not just enterprises but uh, you know any company to um, you know choose it as a platform for their blockchain development and and then you know then we started thinking all right so if we look into solidity and solidity is is a is a programming language that people use right to program on ethereum and then we started looking into how many people do actually know solidity so everybody talks about blockchain adoption and you know how it's struggling and you know how there's so many great projects but uh you know we, we're not there yet um and it turned out that there's um Obviously, there's no clear number, but there's an estimation that's around from 150,000 to 200,000 um, Solidity developers or people who know Solidity. Um, so that sounds like a, you know a big number, right? But then you started looking into other you know more mature languages. So in fact, um, Java, for instance, is still the most popular uh, programming language in the world. So you know blockchain aside, and um, just you know as a matter of contrast, there's more than 10 million. Um, accredited, so you know, people that actually did study Java and they do code it and they do use it as you know as a way to earn money. So 10 million versus you know 100 or 200,000. Um, you know, on that scale, there's a, there's a big opportunity. So what if now those 10 million people would have a way to you know program on blockchain without actually learning new language? So, you know, that gives you like a whole new world of uh, opportunities. And that's that's ultimately how um, Ethereum as a project, as an idea started. So how do we get more adoption in blockchain space? Now that makes sense. Well, there's only 200,000 Solidity developers and more than 10 million Java developers. It seemed like the prime thing. So I, I wonder why maybe Ethereum wasn't originally built on Java then, just instead of a language that nobody knew. Um, that's, you know, that's an ultimate question. So what if, right? Uh, ultimately, you know, as Solidity, Solidity, for instance, is, you know, not the only language that uh, people can use, right, to code on Ethereum. There's There's been multiple attempts out there by community. Um, there's been things like uh, Viper, um, Serpent, Mutant, I mean, you name it. So there's, you know, they've been there, but they all have, um, they all lack um, maturity. That's, you know, that's probably the one thing that they're lacking. There's many good and, you know, great languages and new languages, you know, are kind of like keep coming up. But they all lack this, again, stability, community. And as you know, the bigger the company is, the less risks they want to take. 
So, you know, you know what they say, if something works, you know, you'd better leave it and, you know, you don't touch it until it breaks. Um, so Ethereum was built on like radically new idea. And ultimately, you know, they wanted to have a language to support that idea. Um, and now we're looking at from the other side. So what if we use this great tool, Ethereum, with something that companies already, you know, they're used to and um, they already have knowledge about it and they have the processes around it, uh, you know, the development language. So it's just a different perception of how you look at things. Okay, so we're getting a little bit above my pay grade here as we're, you know, talking these technical terms. Maybe you can differentiate for us what, uh, you know, what makes a, a consumer versus an enterprise blockchain you know platform uh, yeah absolutely so programmable blockchains in general um and as as again we're sort of like married to ethereum right um they allow for the creation of such a cool thing as a smart contract which ultimately the only thing that it does it enables real business transactions to be performed on blockchain and there's like multiple reasons for that right so any enterprise or any company that does business with others so if there's any counterparty, if there's any supply chain, um, if there's basically any business logic, then, you know, they can potentially benefit from enabling their business transactions to be performed in blockchain. Um, so, you know, to do this kind of like business, what, what companies do right now is that they put their business logic in software, right? So software executes, um, you know, the business logic. They could do exactly the same thing, but on blockchain by writing this smart contract. Um, on the other side, consumers, consumers, um, and we have to be, you know, very transparent here. That's not something that happens in the real world. So um, there are very, very limited real life use cases where consumers do use blockchain, except from, you know, trading or fun. But what we see in the future is consumers will use the blockchain to access these contracts and make use of the business services, right, that will be offered on blockchain. So see what I mean? It's sort of like enterprise companies or, you know, um, enterprise blockchain is there to serve the consumers rather than, you know, it, it's being like the other side. That's, you know, that's why pretty much uh, the product that it, it sort of invokes more activity on the blockchain, it serves both use cases, both consumers and both enterprises. But again, to be very, very real, currently, most enterprises, even though they have blockchain on their radar as strategic technology, they haven't really executed anything that we would be any close to real use case or real, you know, real business transactions. Uh, so l let me ask you about this, because this is this is something that Joel and I are having some fun with here recently are the NFT tokens and those ERC 721s mm -hmm. and creating uh, tokens at events. Right. So. We're going next week, so by the time that people listen to this, this would be probably a couple of weeks ago, but uh, going to Miami, and we're going to the uh, Miami Elite Conference and the North American Bitcoin Conference as well, and each one of those, we're having our own special ERC-721, and and so we want, we've want we designed them, and now we've, we're, we've deployed them with a protocol called POAP. Our question <laughs> to my question to you is, and maybe how... Did, how are you seeing companies using uh, ERC-721 tokens and, and how do they work on your platform? It, it's another great thing. So I actually love, uh, you know, NFT tokens and, you know, going beyond CryptoKitties, right, which which were really the, the first big ones out there to, um, to sort of like 
see the, the use cases. My favorite one is software licensing. So, you know, we are getting into the subscription era. Um, you know, you pay for subscription here and there, whether it's Netflix or your, you know, Gmail account. Uh, it's basically anything. Um, so why not putting your um, subscription services on blockchain? Um, as simple as that. Um, you know, you, you know, you just, you pay for the contract and you get your license key. Um, you know, it's, it's fairly simple. Um, why not do that? Well, you know, we were getting back to the question of not blockchain, but rather adoption. So, you know, why the companies still use uh, traditional methods, you know, debit credit cards, because everybody has one. So, you know, if you want to accept payments, you'd rather use something that uh, everybody has. But Subtractions, yep, yeah, that's uh, licensing. That's, uh, you know, probably the easiest and the biggest case. Are you guys tied necessarily to Ethereum's success? Because um, Ethereum's kind of been floundering, right, lately. It seems to me like, I mean, the price has been down and then people are leaving the Ethereum blockchain and they're moving over to other blockchains that have more transactions per second. Is is that something, a problem that's like with Jtherium, is if, if Ethereum sort of goes by the wayside, is Jtherium host? Um, so yes and no. Um, in a sense, yes, everybody has you know been long waiting for um, you know ETH 2.0, and uh, even when it comes, uh, eventually uh, there's no guarantee that you know people will switch right or will still remain up until that happens. Um, so Jtherium was built on the idea that Ethereum is, you know, the dominant uh, programmable blockchain and Java is, you know, the most popular programmable uh, programming language. Um, combine those two, right, you get, um, you know, you get a key for success. Um, the question is whether uh, Ethereum will uh, lose its dominant position. Um, I think everything is possible and uh, there's definitely more and more players and more and more protocols um, coming out there. Do I believe that Ethereum is will, will, will remain the dominant one? Um, I hope so. Um, and probably, you know, obviously it's very bold to say, but uh, why not uh, Ethereum be one of the reasons that, uh, you know, will uh, drive the, the next uh, level of adoption um, into Ethereum? But um, I would say that the key message here is um, anybody can create, um, you know, any um, any project that would uh, bring the same message as Jtherium. So why not you develop, uh, you know, the same translation tool for Tron, let's say. So, you know, Tron blockchain. So why not do Java and, you know, TRX? Or why not do, um, you know, Java and it could be Neo um, or IOTA? It's, you know, it's it's basically the same idea. What we're trying to do here is provide more opportunities or more tools for, you know, for existing tech guys to work with blockchain and, you know, we'll see what it happens, right? I, I couldn't help but hear you say that like Zoidberg. Why not Jtherium? <laughs> uh, or you can make Jron, like Tron, or you can make, you know, you just add J to any of the blockchains. Jitcoin. Jax, like for wax. They can just, you know, just yeah. Um, absolutely. I'm curious, uh, Anton, which are, you know, if Ethereum didn't exist, let's say something happened, Ethereum broke tomorrow, which platform would be next in line for you to go, okay, this is the one? Uh, that's, uh, you know, that's a tough one. Um, I've been, I've been looking and I've been playing with, uh, you know, many of them and, um, you know, everybody. You, you has have to decide your life depends on it. It'd be it. Ripple and call it Jipple. <laughs> 
Some people would say it's a jipple already. <laughs> that, that, that's true. Good thing it didn't think, start with an N. That's a very bad branding, though, right? Ethereum. <laughs> right. Um, so I would say that if it's not Ethereum, it could be um, it could be Tron. Um, and not because it's, you know, Chinese, not because it's heavy on, um, you know, gambling projects. It's growing quite heavily. Um, it's, it's also very inflated, but uh, it's, it's, you know, the dynamics is good. Well, first of all, it's like we're looking at, you know, at the decentralized ledger technology space. It's moving really fast. You talk about Amazon, IBM, Oracle, and some other ones are doing some, some enterprise blockchain stuff, you know. What kind of projects are you seeing built on Jethereum and, and what kind of companies maybe should be looking at Jethereum and not using like an IBM blockchain or Oracle or, you know, something like that? Um, that's that's an interesting one. So um, now that everybody is trying, you know, something uh, built by themselves or, you know, creating yet another bicycle, um, there's there's many big companies like, um, you know, JP Morgan. What they did is just they, they did their own private version of, um, you know, Ethereum. So, um, you know, EVM is the king out there. Um, but I would I would say, you know, think about this space as something like um, we're back in 1980s and, um, you know, what future users would be there, um, you know, for, for computers. So think about that. That was the time when computers were, you know, they started mass scaling and, you know, we're exactly the same um, stage with blockchain here. So if you ask me the same question back in 1980, so, you know, what should I build on computer? So what kind of software should it be? The answer at that time, you know, knowing how far we went would be like everything and anything. No, I mean, like seriously. So the concept of blockchain and, um, I, you know, I wouldn't be afraid to say this word, but, uh, you know, the magnificent implementation of that concept by Vitalik, um, right? So with, with Ethereum, it has uh, a potential to revolutionize every aspect of business and commerce. So commerce, you know, it, it's a it's a what a four forty trillion dollar business out there. Um, you know, I, I mean, like segment. So with that being said, there's there's a lot of interest in in fintech area specifically, and what we see is we see an upcoming, um, you know, even bigger interest in the you know, DeFi space. So decentralized finance, and it's anything to do with, you know, the transactions, um, settlement transactions, loans, you know, compound finance. So DeFi, I would say, is, you know, the hottest space right now. And I would really like to see more projects, uh, you know, on Ethereum, using Ethereum, or, you know, blockchain overall, um, exploring that, that segment. So you're seeing a lot of interesting stuff. So you're at the forefront of enterprise and you're helping drive adoption. What are some of the cool things that maybe you're seeing being built with Jethereum or even how are some companies maybe using blockchain enterprise to make their business better? And I would maybe also say this, maybe there's a business out there thinking, well, do I need a blockchain? How do they know if they even need one? Um, that's, that's a great one. That's a great one. Um, and, and that, you know, that could be segmented into the two spaces. Um, so space number one is those that, um, already use something else in blockchain. And one of my favorite examples, um, have you guys heard about, uh, Uniswap? No. Um, so Uniswap is a decentralized exchange. There's tons of them. Right, but uh, this one it runs on Ethereum uh, with just two smart contracts. So just 
you know, just two smart contracts, they have like 200 lines of code, which is, which is, which is quite funny because it's a lot for blockchain people and it's absolutely nothing for, you know, everybody else. But those two smart contracts, they control the entire business logic on how, um, you know, people trade um, ERC20 tokens um, and, you know, how they swap, how they exchange them. And the question is, so what, what can you do with that? And now think about automating the, you know, decentralized exchanges with, uh, you know, with all of the existing stack. So think about when big guys, um, you know, will start playing with those tools. So now that they're sort of looking um, at it as a, as a sandbox, now what, what would happen when, you know, large financial institutions, they actually get their liquidity hands on, you know, these kind of things. And um, that's why one of the, you know, one of the coolest things that I've seen is that people started trading on Uniswap, so that, you know, that decentralized exchange with Java. So it's, you know, a very simple um, Java software that, you know, sort of allows you to automate the process of, uh, you know, trading. And how is it different from centralized exchanges? Well, you know, that's another, um, you know, full hour of, you know, conversation out there. But that's, mm-hmm. that's an amazing thing that's happening. So say, I know that we have a lot of developers that listen to our show just as a, as a general rule. There's people who are interested in coding and maybe haven't jumped into blockchain coding yet because they don't want to learn Solidity and maybe they know Java. I know a lot of programmers out there do. What would be their first step to start, you know, maybe working with Jthereum? And uh, is it open source? What do they have to do to, to start utilizing this? Um, so Jthereum is free for uh, personal use. Um, again, anybody who wants to try it out, uh, they can do it easily. Um, so just go on jetherium.com, um, download it. It's, uh, it's a plugin that works with uh, all developer um, environments. Um, so we're not going to get uh, you know, deep into that. But pretty much every developer in the world can simply download you know, Jetherium file, um, install it, and you know, there you go. You, start, you can start working with it. Um, just like any other you know, programming you know, tool or software, um, there's still like a learning curve, right? Uh, just like any other thing. Uh, I mean, it, it took me some time to adapt to TikTok and, you know, um, understand that. Uh, and I'm not that old. But, uh, you know, just download it and, you know, start working with it. There's, uh, there's lots of, um, you know, education materials out there. And there's lots of, uh, you know, support. And obviously, you know, we're trying to build, uh, you know, the community around it uh, so that other people could, you know, help each other. Right on. Is there a J Ethereum token? Uh, no, no, we we don't need one, um, and we don't plan for one. There might be. Uh, I want you know, to get some GIF. <laughs> well, so hold on to that. So we were thinking about the ERC seven twenty one token um, just to um, control the licensing. So that's one of the use cases, right? That we um, that we explored kind of here today and we discussed. So that could happen, but uh, it's not there yet. Um, and, you know, it's not developed, but it could happen. So maybe you will have a chance to do that. Well, you guys can learn a lot more about this. I mean, there's links in the show notes for this episode, but if you just replace the E with a J in Ethereum and go to Jethereum, I like to call it jethereum.com, and you could check out Anton's site as well at mozgovoy.me, M-O-Z-G-O-V-O-Y.me. He's available for consultation and other inquiries. Anton, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for coming on the show. And uh, stay bad, my friend. Uh, well, thanks a lot, Travis. Joel, it was my pleasure to be here today. 
And thank you, Anton, for that interview, jetherium.com. Our next interview with the gentleman from Helios Protocol, this is a sponsored crypto spotlight interview. That means after evaluating the project, we decided that, yep, you can pay us to be on bad crypto. In full transparency, we always tell you when we're being sponsored, when we receive compensation for presenting a project to you, we are not promoting this project. We are not recommending this project. We are recommending that you listen to the interview, do your own research and decide for yourself if this is something that's interesting to you. We think Helios is pretty cool. We think you're going to enjoy it too. Wait till you hear just how fast their DAP platform is. Here's our Helios Protocol interview. Innovating to make blockchains easier to program for you developers out there. Mm, that's what this is all about. We're pleased to welcome the gentlemen that are the CEO and CMO of Helios Protocol. You've heard us talk about this product on the show before. and We've been excited to get them on here. Tommy and Mark, welcome to Bad Crypto. Hi, it's good to be here. Thank you, thank you for having us on here. Yeah, pleased to be here. I'm a huge fan. So uh, the first gentleman you heard, that was Tommy, and the huge fan, that's Mark. Tommy's not a huge fan. Mark is. So, Mark, we're just, we're just going to talk <laughs> to you today. Tommy's a medium fan. Uh, yeah, I'm a medium fan. <laughs> All right, Mark. We really like you, too, Mark. You're way cooler than that Tommy guy. I actually saw you guys live, though, so that counts for medium. Okay, okay. Sure. You can have a cool, couple cool points back. <laughs> Upgrade. There we go. The website is Helios Protocol. Dot io and helios claims to be an infinitely scalable dap and decentralized web hosting platform based on a dag and blockchains all right i'm gonna tee it off to you guys here make it super easy for us to understand describe helios in words that only a, a kindergartner would use no you can go out from kindergartner that's fine Okay, we'll go, we'll go up a little bit. How about great? Use it, describe it in words that only a toddler would use. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think DAG would be used by a toddler. So oh, got yeah. Probably true. That's so we got one. That's very nice. Very nice. Explain yeah, that to some right. people who don't know what a DAG is, because like uh, I think some people dag like nabbit. DAG. Yeah. What the hell's How about dag? you give it a shot, Mark? For DAG? No, that's all you. No. <laughs> okay, so Helios Protocol. What it is, it's a, it's a DApp platform and a decentralized web hosting platform. So to explain why this is important, I mean, I don't know if I can make this on a five, five uh, grade five level, but because uh, they probably don't know what DApps are or applications for <laughs> even. But yeah, a DApp is basically programmed in two parts. There's, there's the code that runs on the blockchain, and then there's a, there's a user interface that usually runs on a website or an app on a phone. At this point, uh, the user interface is usually hosted hosted on a centralized server somewhere. So the developers have to pay money and they have to set it up. And uh, if it's a global application, they have to set up many servers all over the world. And and, and the biggest thing is that it's not set it's not decentralized anymore. And blockchain is supposed to be decentralized. So with Helios Protocol, we've put both of these things on the same platform, so that uh, a developer can actually create a decentralized application and uh, deploy it with a click of a button, and their uh, end users can use it immediately. And they're really using a decentralized application at that point. And as far as we know, there's no other um, blockchain project out there that's actually hosting websites on the blockchain. Of course, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's some companies that are hosting domain names on the blockchain, but that's not a website. That's just, uh, that's just kind of something that points from one destination to another so that people know where to look for the website. 
It's, it's interesting. Now, on your website, you say here that every wallet address has its own blockchain that contains only transactions to or from that particular wallet address. So I understand that. That makes sense. And so that's that's why when you when you talk about building it on a DAG, and a DAG is a directed acyclic graph, which is that doesn't that doesn't help. Boy, we're getting a little of a fifth grade now. <laughs> I know it's like, but it's, but it's it's different than a blockchain, right? It's almost sort of like a file structure kind of thing, where like a folder and within a folder, folder kind of thing, right? Is that yeah? Well, yeah like what a, we've done is that yeah, that's 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 true. That's correct. Uh, what we've done though is we've combined DAG and blockchains. Like you said, we have a lot of blockchains, one for every wallet, and that includes mm. smart contracts and DApps. Uh, but then you ask, how, how are these? Uh, blockchains all connected to each other and and kind of kept in continuity. And uh, the way the way that happens is through a DAG, and the the DAG is mediated through these transactions from uh, one blockchain to another. So it's it's kind of like a big a big graph with arrows pointing from like one blockchain to the next blockchain to the next blockchain, and and there's like thousands of blockchains, eventually millions of blockchains. So yeah, that's how that's. Those this is the like community? the inception of of blockchain then right yeah yeah for sure i mean you hear you hear some projects uh trying to do sharding now uh this is kind of like sharding except like as much sharding as possible (laughs) Uh, like when ethereum wants to start sharding their blockchains they're going to have i don't know a small number maybe five or ten blockchains and they're going to be in different parts of the world but we have like tens of thousands or millions of blockchains so it's kind of like taking that idea to its extreme it seems like it's just so big, like millions of blockchains. Like, where is that going to be stored? Like, we know the blockchain, Bitcoin blockchain, big for Bitcoin is huge already. Like, what were you doing? Millions of them. Yeah. Well, in this case, um, since each blockchain only has transactions for that particular user or that particular dApp, uh, the chains are actually like much shorter than like the total amount of information stored on all these blockchains is the same amount that would be stored on a single blockchain, except you can imagine a single blockchain as being like really tall, a really long blockchain. Now we've kind of taken that in, into little chunks and spread it out wide. Uh, and, and the advantage of this, the original motivate, like motivation is, uh, is because a single blockchain is kind of like the bottleneck. You can only add uh, transactions and blocks to it so every so often to remain in consensus. But uh, when, when you have like if you have more blockchains, you, each blockchain kind of acts independently, and you can and you can process blocks and transactions in parallel. Uh, so, so it's really just uh, it makes it so that it can be scaled a lot more easily. Okay, so one of the benefits here is that this thing will just be more scalable, uh, and I'm assuming it's going to be faster as well. Let's go over kind of the bullet points of why a developer would would prefer to build on Helios. Absolutely, yeah. So. Um, uh, yeah, so the, the biggest one, I guess, is uh, transaction fees are uh, ten. They're approximately ten thousand times less than uh, competitive blockchains like uh, Ethereum, for example. Oh gosh, that's like nothing. That's like not even <laughs> that's nothing. That's... <laughs> Actually, it's really funny. Um, you, you know, you go to like you go you go shopping to a store and you see oh twenty five percent off, and you think like, wow, what a deal! I better just buy this now. I mean, if you're interested in buying it in the first place. But with ten thousand times off, that's that's literally ninety nine point nine nine percent discount. <laughs> I mean, now imagine these these DApp developers. They're 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 always most of the time people are making DApps because they're a company. They really want to make a profit, and, and they're selling a product. Uh, imagine if they can. Uh, another thing you need to know is their customers are the ones paying the transaction fees, right? Uh, so now imagine if they can sell their product to the same customers at a ninety nine point nine nine percent discount. I mean, that, that's something any business 
would really benefit from, right? So that's that's definitely uh, the first uh, the first point. And then uh, because we have parallel blockchains, every blockchain is independent. You can add a block to your chain uh, like whenever you want, and you you have full control of whenever whenever you do that. Um, so you can do it at any time, and um, the transactions on Helios protocol are processed in uh, in a fraction of a second. Uh, usually, it's about one tenth of a second or one one hundredth of a second. So that's that's another big difference between Ethereum. Uh, if you program a DApp on Ethereum and you want your end, your users to use it and actually interact with the blockchain, they have to wait approximately fifteen seconds before something happens. And uh, imagine imagine playing a game like Street Fighter, and uh, you press you press the button on the controller to tell your player to like punch the, ne- the other player. Imagine if it, if you have to wait fifteen seconds for that to happen. It's just going to be like unusable. But uh, on Helios protocol we brought that down to a fraction of a second so um that really increases the usability of of uh of of apps and like what you can actually build and deploy directly on the blockchain i want to ask about interoperability right now since you guys are creating this uh it's a working with it's a dag and it's working with all these other blockchains everybody has their own blockchain like are you guys able to intersect or connect with ethereum and that or any wax or any other protocols out there yeah, actually, uh, there's lots of interesting things you can do because you can host, or eventually, once we finish deploying it, you can host uh, websites on Helios Protocol. So these websites can uh, be programmed in JavaScript, and they they can use a thing called Web3, or, or pretty much any other JavaScript you want. You're, it's up to the developer. So you can host a website on Helios Protocol, and that website can interact with whatever blockchain you want. You can... Uh, my, my example with, with Web3, that's an Ethereum thing. If, if you just tell, basically, you, you could like deploy Ether Delta on Helios protocol and it would be a, it could trade on what it, whatever blockchains you want. It could trade on Ethereum, Helios, Tron, whatever. Um, so, so, it, so it has that in, interactivity that way uh, or interoperability. Uh, another thing is uh, we've actually made our tools uh, to be as similar as the ones used for Ethereum as possible, so that developers can come uh, if they're if they they're using something on Ethereum, they can come and use Helios protocol, like copy and paste their code over, and it will work. It's almost like the marketing campaign would be tired of slow blockchains that are expensive and energy inefficient. Come to Helios. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> well, that'll cost you. That's trademark Joelcom. 2020. <laughs> hey, Mark, quickly, go copyright it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so if you host your website on the blockchain, have your own blockchain that can interact with other people's blockchain, how is that going to be impacted like with Google search bots and stuff for you to be for you to be able to for your website to be found? Is it it sounds like it's kind of on a different ecosystem than the normal web? Uh, yeah, I mean, Google would have to obviously change some of their code to index uh, these new websites, but we we are going to have a normal domain domain name uh, system. Actually, like people who host websites on our blockchain, they can they can use a traditional domain name uh, if they wanted, like a .com or whatever, and just point it to uh, to our nodes or or do a round robin kind of DNS thing where it goes to a lot of different nodes, uh, and then when they when they do that. Sorry, I know I'm getting technical again, but <laughs> yeah, when they do that, uh, other websites can just link to it like a normal link, and, and Google will index that. So, mm, okay. so that way we'll work with normal. Uh, how, how do you get critical mass on this then, right? Because there's 
billions of domains have been registered and just millions of websites. And clearly the system, as flawed as it is, is a functional system. Now, this could be more functional and improve, but how do you get that critical mass to use it so that people are paying attention? Yeah, that's kind of the thing. We've been doing this for roughly two years now, and we have a, a great community uh, behind us. And then our core community is called the Helios Army. And those people just really help and reach out. I mean, we have about ten or 11,000 people in our Discord chat. So we have the users that want to use something, but we've really developed everything for developers to build whatever they wanted to on our blockchain. So right now, since we already have a large community, we're just trying to reach out to developers. We've been kind of friends with uh, a bunch of different uh, dApps or dApps. Not sure how you say it. Uh, I say dApp. But like uh, we're trying to work with Budbo to get them to launch on our uh, blockchain. And then we have a couple others uh, like Flower Patch and uh, just been really reaching out to developers through Twitter, anytime I'll see anybody kind of working on a project, we just try and hit them and and let them know, hey, we're out there. We'll work with you. We have a, a team of designers behind us, blockchain experts. We'll help fund your dApp, whatever you need. We're trying to make it a one-stop shop for developers. So what, one one little part to the puzzle the viewers might want to hear is, is uh, like this kind of worked with Ethereum and it worked with a few other blockchains. What, what you want to do, or, or at least... Are kind of the reason why we're going after developers is because if developers um, pr program dApps that are popular on our blockchain, that will bring users to their dApps, and and uh, since their dApp is running on our blockchain, that that also means that they're bringing users to our blockchain. So basically, our, our plan uh, relies on uh, getting developers to to uh, create good, uh, useful apps on our blockchain. The uh, the name Helios is a reference to the Greek sun god, right? Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But <laughs> well, why, why did you guys choose that? I'm curious. I don't know. It's kind of, it, it wasn't really any concrete <laughs> uh, reason for why we did that. Uh, it sound, sounded cool. You know, we are the yeah. sun gods of the 21st century. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess really vaguely, I was thinking like, uh, we're kind of trying to create uh, like the new next version of the decentralized web. We're kind of trying to create, uh, we're, we're trying to give life to something new that didn't exist before. And, and and then we know in real life, uh, the sun is like the source of all energy and, the, and all energy that life uses and stuff. And w without it, there wouldn't be any life. So I was kind of thinking like, kind of thinking of it kind of like, like, like the sun is rising and, and uh, Helios is bringing the, <laughs> the new decentralized web to the to the world. But and helium uh, rises, really right? Of, the sun rises, helium rises, Helios is rising. Everything's rising. Hmm. Yeah, so I noticed your your guys you guys had your your announcement thread on Bitcoin Talk about a year and a half ago. Like, what kind of development have you had over the course of the last you know, year and a half, and where are you today on deployment of of, of your project? Oh yeah, so we've been uh, dedicated to this thing for a long time now, uh, nonstop. So I mean, that that definitely goes for something there. But uh, yeah, in June thirtieth, two thousand nineteen, we launched the first version of our mainnet. Uh, that kind of proves out the parallel blockchains connected with DAG concept, and it's live right now. We haven't had any any big problems. It's all it's all run smoothly. And uh, since we've launched that, in the meantime, we've been uh, developing the new fork that will uh, include full 
uh, DApp and smart contract support. And uh, we finished developing that uh, at the end of November. And uh, we've been, uh, and then we did some, well, actually, I guess it was earlier than that, but then we did a bunch of private testing on our own uh, like personal network here. And we sent it live to the testnet early December. And it's and, and now ever since then, we've just been helping DApps like use it and deploy stuff. And uh, we're kind of working with developers to test it all, all, all together, all, all at once, just to make sure it's ready. And also another big thing is that uh, while it's in the testnet phase, we can add new features with as we want before we deploy it. So we're actually asking these developers, hey, like what what kind of uh, features do you think would be nice to add? And uh, we've actually added a few features because of some feedback already. Uh, so once we're comfortable, once we think we have the perfect product and uh, we have some dApps on it, then we're going to launch it to mainnet, uh, which I guess probably a month or two from now. It's hard to say because we want to make sure it's it's exactly what developers want. Right on. Well, the website, heliosprotocol.io. And Mark, why don't you uh, tell our, our listeners uh, your final thoughts on how they can get involved? Oh, well, you can go to any number of our social media accounts. We're on, obviously, Twitter and Float. Uh, Twitter is at Helios Platform. Uh, you go to our website, heliosprotocol.io. Uh, every two weeks, we do a town hall meeting on our Twitch channel, and we're also going to be coming up with a, a coding hour. We're going to see if that's going to work out monthly or uh, biweekly, and that'll just try and get people engaged. Anybody that might want to learn about coding, we're going to help them through it. Uh, it's going to be a lot for developers, seeing how they can deploy their uh, DAP on our blockchain, things like that. We just want to get more involved, and we want the community to get involved behind us. So, uh, yeah, check us out. And all the links are right on our website. Excellent. They'll also be in our show notes for this episode. Helios, one platform capable of hosting your DAP and website user interface at the click of a button, enabling end-to-end decentralized applications to power the next generation of the web. It's an ambitious project, gentlemen. Looks very cool. We encourage you guys to check it out. Thanks so much for sharing with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having us on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's an honor. Very cool. Helios Protocol, definitely doing some interesting things over there with the dApps for sure. So make sure to go ahead and check them out. And uh, there we go, Mr. Joel Com. another epic episode in the books. Here we go. Another one in the books and more to come. Some fantastic Mm -hmm. content. We've got Bobby Lee of the Ballet, Ballet Wallet, the Ballet Wallet, the Ballet Wallet coming up here shortly. (laughs) <laughs> and we're off to uh, ETH Denver later this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to be heading there. And NFTs galore. If you're going to if you're going to ETH Denver, they are gamifying the whole thing. And like the sponsors provide missions and different things you can do, so you can earn XP and you earn these tokens along the way and fill up. And the more tokens that you get, the more XP that you get, and the better prizes that you. So they're literally gamifying the conference experience in ways that I've never seen anyone do before. It's really interesting. We are going to be having the so much fun there at the conference of Ethereum, uh, mm-hmm. Denver, Den, Den, Denith, right? Isn't that what Mike Tyson likes? Yeah, Denith. Yeah, some of you were calling it Denith. It's like, oh, we're going to Denith. Denith. That sounds like a plate Mike Tyson would go get some pancakes. Like maybe a Rudy Tootie Fresh and Fruity. would be really good. Get some, go to Denith. 
Oh my. Hey gang, we appreciate you as always. Please do comment and, and engage with us. In fact, you could send us an email anytime. Travis and I share this email box, badcryptopodcast at gmail.com. We see everything that you send our way. We can't always respond to you, but we do like to hear from you. So if you have any questions, comments, feedback, uh, you know, let us know, especially if it's positive feedback, then go do a review of the show on iTunes or, uh, you know, I guess you can't review on Spotify, but you can on Facebook. And if you're on a podcast platform, they'll let you review. That means a lot to us. That is true. Very cool stuff. Really appreciate it, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you want, feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn. We like good LinkedIn friends, that's for sure. And uh, any of the other channels. And you know what? We haven't had anybody call us in a while. Feel free to call us. And uh, we'd love to hear your voice, 708-885-9030. We might be doing a fan episode here coming up. We'd love to hear your guys' thoughts and some questions or comments along the way. So feel free to give us a holla. Holla. Catch you next time. Stay back. Oh, yeah. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.